Well, good morning, Lindsay Lane. How we doing? Who here loves fall? Raise your hand. Who loves fall allergies? Yeah. Because y'all sound like me up there. I'm kind of froggy and got a little drainage going on, and I'm sucking on a cough drop and praying to God will give me just a little bit of time to get through this uh, to help you out. But uh, we're all going to hack through this together, okay? If you sneeze, it's all right. We're going to make it happen. Just keep your snot to yourself, okay? And uh, let's not pass that around, all right? Uh, I love your pastor. I know you love Andy John King. Uh, he's a cool dude, isn't he? Uh, he loves Jesus. He doesn't ask you to do anything that he won't do himself. He's a sweat equity pastor. And I, I love guys like that. And I uh, believe he's got, uh, got the, the Lord's uh, agenda on his mind and your best interest at heart. And uh, I, I really am proud of what you guys are doing together. And I'm telling you, you hadn't even scratched the surface yet of what God's going to do if y'all just stay together and uh, give God all the glory. Amen. Isn't that fun to watch God do cool things? Uh, I tell you, I just, uh, one of the things that burdens my heart, and I shared this Monday night at our, in our annual gathering, is that uh, I, I'm excited about going to heaven, aren't you? I hope you are. You ought to be. Uh, if you're not, we're going to take care of that in just a minute, all right? Uh, but you need to be excited about going to heaven. You need to be excited about seeing Jesus and being in his presence. Um, but, you know, one thing I'm, I'm not really excited about with being there is uh, going with nothing to talk about. Um, you know, I, I'm, I've, we've sang songs and heard songs that have been sung probably from this church as well, like in the other church where people think, sing about going and seeing Jesus and talking to the saints of old and talking to uh, Jeremiah and David and Isaiah and Abraham and all those things. Um, but I don't know about you, but I'd like to get to heaven and somebody want to talk to us. Because God did something special in our time. And we weren't just waiting for the end to come, but that we had intentionality and that God showed out in power. Do you want to go to heaven like that? That's why I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go knowing that we were the last generation or the last season that there were churches and ministry and that it continued to decline and dry up until the day that Jesus returned. We'll be in Psalm 78 today, and you can go there real quickly if you don't mind. Psalm 78, a few things will be on the board, on the, on the screen here in just a minute. Um, we're going to have a conversation about these, this statement that's on your platform this morning. This is actually one of our key foundational statements to why Lindsay Lane Christian Academy exists. Do you know that? I hope you do. Uh, we want to be an impact. I'm, I serve as your board chairman for Lindsay Lane Christian Academy as well with all the other hats I wear. Uh, but uh, that's just what we do. People only ask busy people to do things. You know that? Why is that? So uh, we say yes. That's why I guess. But uh, this statement is something that we hear on a regular basis at our campus. It's something we talk about. reason why we do what we do. But it also ought to be a reason why you do what you do personally. And that is this. Whoever wants the next generation the most will get them. That quote comes from Michael Catt from Sherwood Baptist Church. He's a retired pastor recently. And that statement really says a lot. Because I want you to know whether you know this or not, there are other people and other things that want your children. Do you know that? They're working real hard at it. They're working real hard, sparing no expense. And my question is always, why does everybody want the kids? I mean, even advertising really isn't about adults so much. I mean, you know this, that children actually have, have more sway and say in the spending in most homes today than the actual people that are making it. You're saying, not in my house. Well, praise God. 
They ain't got a job, but they have an opinion. And oftentimes we care more about the happiness of our children than the holiness of our home. And so in Psalm 78, there's a passage here that kind of messes me up a little bit. I haven't been able to shake it. I might have shared this with y'all, this passage before, but not the way I'm going to share it today. And if I have, you need to hear it again because I can't shake it. And we've got to get connected and get on the agenda that God has for why kids matter. So today, if you would look with me in Psalm 78, we're going to read a few verses here and then we'll have a conversation and I'll get you out on fall break here in just a little while, all right? It says this in Psalm 78, verse 1, Give ear, O my people, to my law, and incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, telling the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, that the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. It may not be, verse 8, like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not set its heart aright and whose spirit was not faithful to God. I don't know if you know this or not, but every piece of dirt in Limestone County is turned over right now. Can I get a witness? Y'all enjoy riding through town? I know I do at like 2 a.m., because three o'clock in the afternoon, ain't nowhere to be. Don't go downtown. I promise you, ain't fun, okay? Ain't happening. Uh, but there's dirt being turned over all over Limestone County. If you've sold some dirt recently, just remember the Lord, okay? And just do what you gotta do. Camp Helen has some great things we could do. All I need is time and money, but all I got is time. And so give me a ring, okay? Uh, a shameless plug, all right. Uh, but the reality is that all these people are coming our way, aren't they? It's kind of like, remember y'all played, you ever played hide and seek growing up? Raise your hand if you played hide and seek. Some of y'all still looking for folks, aren't you? Some of them left, couldn't find them. You know, hide and seek. And what was the, what, what, what did the, what did the seeker say at the very end before they took out? Ready or not? That is the new slogan of Limestone County. Okay? They're coming whether you like it or not. In fact, in 2025, we'll still be three, over 3,000 houses behind the influx of people that are coming this way. We are in the fastest growing county in Alabama. Did you know that? And the question I keep asking myself is, why is God trusting us with all these people? Why? Now we can respond to it one way and say, well, I gotta sit in line. I'm so glad Chick-fil-A's got two drive-throughs, amen? Because if it had been one, you'd never get through there. I'm glad we got a second Publix because now you ain't got to sit in line so long over there. You, all this stuff's going to start happening and it's going to continue to multiply and there's going to continue to be more development. Ready or not, here they come. But here's the truth of the matter. Since yesterday, in fact, since last night, 
Limestone County is more lost today than it was yesterday. And it doesn't seem to bother anybody. The reality is there's less people in church today in Limestone County than there was probably a year ago. Our churches on, the, on average are not growing, but our communities are. Our children's ministries are not at the seams, but our schools are. And every piece of dirt in Limestone County is turned over. And my question is, for those of us that claim Christ as king, where is our heart? Because this is the truth, that whoever wants the next generation the most will get them. Now in Psalm 78, this is a really not a, not a profound text in the way of it takes a lot to understand, but we're gonna walk in for just a minute if you're good. And then I got a couple questions for you. In fact, before I ask this question, let me ask this question. Let's just do a little in-house survey. You ready? How many of you are from somewhere else other than, no, before that, let's do this one first. How many of y'all are from Limestone County? Born, raised, grew up here. All right, y'all are a thin crowd. <laughs> I don't mean like, I mean like there's not many of y'all. That's what I mean, okay. Okay, raise your hand again. Limestone County, born and raised. Graduated from high school somewhere in Limestone County. Y'all look around. Okay, I see those hands. All right, all those hands are up. Okay, put your hands down. Are you ready for the big one? How many of you grew up somewhere else other than Limestone County? Raise your hand. Put your hands down. Next question. How many of you were saved and baptized through the ministry of this church? Raise your hand. Okay, hands down. Now y'all have all gotten your hands raised today. You're good to go, right? You ready? The reality is even in your own church, the majority of the people that are in this house came from somewhere else before they got here. And I don't mean like another church somewhere else, but I mean you've moved here from somewhere else. And with all that God is trusting us, what are we gonna do with it? I believe Psalm 78 gives us the answer to the question that we're asking today concerning the next generation. It says, give ear, O my people, to my law and incline your ears to the word of my mouth. What do you think the first verse one's about? Somebody's asking a question and they're being real, kind of like trying to grab your attention. It's like mama's saying, I want you to listen here, son. That's what's happening here in verse one of Psalm 78. And then verse two is actually a little bit of a prophetic word concerning Jesus. Look what it says. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. And so verse, verse two and three is really talking about what we know the most about when it comes to parables is the stories of Christ, right? The, the opportunity to, to un, unveil, uh, to unveil spiritual truth in a way that people can understand it and receive it. And so the, the first part of the passage is kind of setting the stage of the how-to, the how-to. And it says in verse three, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. Now, the, the reality is that the majority of the growth in the churches that claim Limestone Baptist is home, typically most of the growth is what we call in-house growth, which means if you were to go back over all of the baptisms at Lindsay Lane Baptist Church over the last five years, the majority of those baptisms are gonna be people from families that were already a part of your church when those decisions were made. You understand what I'm saying? It's like it's in-house growth, right? Like if, if your family's here, you, you pray and and encourage and teach and invest in your children with the, with the hopes that they will come to Christ and follow him all the days of their life. The majority of baptisms in the life of our churches are in-house growth. I ask this question all the time. When's the last time an unconnected, non-believing family came to Christ and is, and is in your church? And oftentimes, 
it's followed with crickets in the places that I go. Because they can't think of the last time a family outside, the faith, outside faith in Christ came to their church, it was a brought by invitation, responded to the gospel of Christ, and then had the opportunity, hopefully the great privilege of being discipled by somebody else that already knows that Jesus is Lord. It's not a normal occurrence. Because oftentimes, here's the truth I'm finding in my churches, and I hope this isn't true for you, and that is this. We're more concerned about precious memories than we are that the king is coming. We're more concerned about keeping it the way it is than we are in the reality that a generation is fading away, and with it, multiple generations of influence to come. The bad days aren't here yet, folks, but they are on the way. They're on the way. And so let's continue in Psalm 78. It says this in verse four. It says, this is a declaration. We will not hide them from their children. Not hide what? The truths of God, the the story of God. I I can't tell you how many times I've had somebody say, well, I'm, I'm just tired of hearing about Noah's Ark. And I'm tired of hearing about David and Goliath. And I'm tired of my pastor preaching about Paul on the road to Damascus. Let me tell you something. Every Sunday, there ought to be somebody in your church that needs to hear that story because they've never heard it before. It's like saying you get tired of hearing about the, the death of Christ on the cross. You get tired of hearing about the resurrection. You get tired of hearing about the second coming. There's a reason why we have to say it over and over and over again. Because what we have heard so far has not found its way into our life and has not transformed us into service. It hasn't moved us to anything except being receivers and not doers. I knew today was going to be fall break week, and I'm glad y'all are the ones that love God. <laughs> and, they, and even this morning, it's like, it's going to be a thin crowd today. Let me tell you something. There's enough people in this room to change the world. Hear it. Hear it, church. There's enough people in here to change Athens. And I don't mean change it and make it like we want it to be. I mean connecting people to Jesus and letting God make it what he wants it to be. His ways are not my ways. And he is able. He is so able. Here was it, verse four. We will not hide them from their children, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. Even right now while we're sitting in here, Brother Dwayne, bless his heart, pray for that dude, is in children's church telling kids about the stories of God. Isn't that good? Can I just give you a freebie here, Lindsay Lane Baptist Church? I don't, I'm just, I'm of you, but I ain't one of you yet. And then kind of way, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm a part of everybody. That's what I kind of say. Your children's folks should never have to beg, borrow, or steal for workers because you believe that statement right there. Ever. Ever. The world wants your children, but do you? Do you know why it matters so much? That we do our best and work, go as far as we have to go to do whatever needs to happen for those that can't bring themselves, you know why? Because right now, Dwayne's not talking to an eight-year-old. He's talking to someone that one day is gonna be a grandparent. He's investing in two generations of kids that have not yet been born. That's the reality. It's not just what you see in front of you. 
It's what yet to come. In fact, the text shows that to us. Listen to what it says. In verse five, it says, for he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, that the children who, here it is, who would be born. They don't even exist yet. That would be born. That they may arise and declare them to their children. That they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God. I don't know about you, but as a dad of four, I hope that verse defines my children. That they don't forget the hope we have in God and the works of God. Because listen, I hope they know, I hope they know that one, that, that God is a redeemer. That he loves broken people. Amen? I hope he knows that no matter how far you've gone or how broken you are or how much people have told you what you need to be, that there's a God in heaven that loves you and he loves you so much he sent his son to die in your place and they'd never get tired of hearing it. And they'd be so convinced by that truth that it would motivate them to connect other broken lost people to the one that loved them first and loved them the most. I want it to consume them. I want them to not only just know the things of God, but to do something with it. Most of us don't need another small group session. Most of us don't need to come to another Sunday until we decide to apply what we've heard. Have you not heard? Do you not know that apart from God, people spend eternity in a real place called hell? Do we know that? Well, if, if that's the case, and there's a generation that does not know God, then we should care so much to do whatever it takes to connect that generation to God. Amen? And this, I know what happens. We get older and we think, hey, my time has passed. I've done my deal. Let me tell you something. You're still here and you're still breathing. There's no prerequisite for the power of God to be on display in your life based on your age. Who told you that lie? Who told you God can't work through your life? Who told you God can't use you? Now look, we ain't all good at the same things. I'm glad them dudes and ladies on the strings, they was great. But some of y'all don't need to be up here. That's why they came, because they good. They got it going on, right? They, weren't they great? Didn't they do a great job? They were great, weren't they? They were wonderful. They sing and play. They have great skills and gifts and talents and abilities. They use them for the glory of God. That's pretty cool. You got to find out what you can do and do it. But doing nothing is not an option. There's too much at stake. There's too much on the table. And so let's listen to what happens when you don't do it. When you don't invest in the next generation for the glory of God, what happens? It says it here in the text. It says here that uh, verse eight, then they may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not set its heart aright and whose spirit was not faithful to God. I, I want to just say this. God's not real interested in your wallet. He's interested in your soul more than your wallet. Your wallet will come. Our purpose as a, as a modern church, especially in the Western world, is not attendance and giving. Those are, those are subsets of the greater. What we want is obedience and faithfulness. That's what God wants. You think, you think all they want is for you to show up and give? No. You're thinking so short-sighted of what the gospel means and should mean in your life. And it's amazing to me how different church life 
and, and church intensity is around the world from what it is in the Western culture. We're about building and being a part of something. That's, and that's great. And it's supposed to be about reaching and connecting and doing whatever it takes, even if it costs us everything. That hasn't happened yet. But I'm telling you, those days are coming. They're coming. And so this stubborn and rebellious generation whose spirit was not faithful to God, they, 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 that, what, what a sad statement to make. In fact, the rest of the text through chapter 78, or the 78th Psalm, is, a, is sort of a, a, a disclosure of the children of Israel and all the things you already know. The ups and downs and the, the great gifts of God and things like manna from heaven and cloud by day and fire by night and the rivers running dry, the Jordan River so they can cross over and the, and the seas parting so they can be delivered. All these things that we've heard about and known, and they know all these things. In fact, experience them for themselves. And yet every day they question whether or not God was able, whether or not God was true, or whether or not God was trustworthy. And we know that story plus the rest of the story, and God continues to add to his story. And yet even this day, you and I struggle with trusting God with everything that we have. So what are some things the next generation needs to know? Tell me what it is, Brother Kev, and we'll do it. This won't take long. I'm gonna shoot you straight. Number one, they need to know about God's greatness. Is God great? They need to know about God's greatness. Number two, they need to know God's word. They need to know God's word. They need to know about his power. And that it's not just things of old, but it's things that God can still do today. God still has the power to heal. He still has the power to raise the sick and raise the dead. He can deliver. He can restore. He can save. He's still doing it. He did it to, anybody in the house ever found that God's able to save? Anybody? Anybody here? Anybody ever found that God's able to restore a broken relationship? Raise your hand. Are you there? Family member, friend, whatever. Anybody ever know that God's able to provide? Can I find, can I find anybody in the house know that God's able to provide? Did all y'all get to eat this morning? Because the Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from above. And that's not some cliche statement, that's the truth. You got a mind and a body and an ability to do what you do. And listen, I'm glad, some of you guys are doing some awesome stuff. Y'all putting people on the moon, man, good for you. That's great. And some of y'all turn over the ground and, and, grow, and grow crops and we're glad for you too. We love to eat, okay? All those things are great. And, and we love to have clothes and we love, and we love school. Listen, I love everybody. But I'm telling you, all the ability you had to do what you do and woke up this morning and knew who you were is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. We gotta teach the next generation to trust God. How do you teach people to trust God? Trust God yourself. It's okay to tell people that's what you're doing. It's okay to say, I don't have an answer. And I gotta walk in this with God. Oh, this is my favorite one. We gotta teach the next generation to obey God. How do you do that? Oh. You know, you know that we're, we're losing more than we're keeping on our children when they graduate from high school. Y'all know that, don't you? Why is that? You know what they say is the number one cause of it? It's not because the preacher didn't preach out of a certain translation of the Bible or the sermons were too long. It has nothing to do with the type of worship or music you got on Sunday mornings. Service times, doesn't care. How cool anything, you just fill in the blank. You know why the number one reason is? Not all, because I always preface with this. The prodigal son's daddy was the best dad, was he not? He was a model father. 
your kids still have to make choices, right? You had to make choices. Some of you, praise God, God delivered you from your choices. Can I get a witness? Amen? God's able. But not most of the time we're finding with those that went away is they found nothing of value in their parents' relationship with God. Nothing of value. And so the question is, what are we gonna do with the opportunity that's in front of us? I've told you that every piece of dirt in Limestone County is turned over. And listen, let me tell you just about the people that are coming here. They don't roll tide and war eagle. I wasn't gonna do that today, but I did it anyways. There you go. And I don't even care. I don't even care. It doesn't really matter. They don't, they don't roll tide and war eagle. In fact, when I was pastoring, if I went to somebody's house and invited them to church, they'd be like, uh, hey, hey, pastor, thank you for coming by. Uh, one day I'm gonna surprise you and I'm gonna show up. You ever heard that before? Some of y'all said that before. My favorite one is when the guy tells his mama that and then he don't show up until the day it's, it's, her, it's her funeral. That's when he shows up to church the day she died. What a great promise to make and never fulfill. But nowadays the people that are moving here, oh, listen, they're not Alabama knees and they don't speak like that. They're real direct. They just tell you the truth. They say things like, quit coming to my house, quit knocking my door, stop praying for me. And if you don't mind, if I want to go to church, I'll go. They said the same thing. They're saying the same thing. One day I'm gonna surprise you, I'm gonna show up. Hey, quit praying for me, leave me alone. Same, same statement, different way. And you gotta not be offended by that. You gotta keep on after it, why? Because you've got a job to do. You're a light in a dark place. You're the salt of the earth. You have responsibility with all that God's given us. And my question keeps, I keep asking myself, why is God trusting us with all these people? The church of the future is not, hey, come join us here. It's, hey, y'all, we got to get out there. They're not coming because you invite all the time either. You got to get on their turf. Not every kid can get a ride to church, right? Are you coming by yourself to church? You got seats in your car? Go find somebody to pick up. Any of y'all got brought to church when you were a kid? None of y'all got brought to church. Y'all just walked in on your own from the street. I got gotcha. Listen, man, there was a generation of people. Y'all get this one. I can't do that and laugh, I get choked up. Um, there was a generation where grandmamas and granddaddies and aunts and uncles would stop by their, 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 their other nephews and nieces' houses and they'd pick them up and they'd bring them to church. That generation has passed. And whatever you need to be inconvenienced for, for the sake of those that have not yet been born, you need to be open to that. It means you gotta have a 7 a.m. service because you can have the rest of the building or y'all can go out and canvas the community or work in the city. So be it. It's not about our convenience. If we lock in on that mentality and that attitude, you'll be the last generation to live like this. And I'm not talking about what happens in the, in, in the stores and the restaurant. I'm talking about the, 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 the opportunities for the gospel. And the influence we have, we talk about our freedom all the time, yet we don't exercise it. So I need to tell you a story and I'll be done. Back in the 60s, there was an evangelist by the name of uh, Mr. Smith, James Smith, lived in central Florida. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, back in the day, when you'd have revival services, usually it included like a, uh, 
an in-reach, outreach kind of a week. Like you'd have invite, invite cards or you'd, have, or you'd go, uh, go do a door hangers or you'd like make print flyers if you could print. I guess that time we didn't print a whole lot. Wasn't a lot of cotton machines in the 60s, but they'd go out and knock on doors and go invite people to come. And one particular day, that, that, that evangelist and, his, and the pastor he was working with decided to go out and they went to an area they knew was you know, just, just another area out from the outskirts of town. And, and they went and they found a home with some children there. And they did what, what a good follower of Christ should do, which is invite them to come. And then ask the question, hey, if, if you can't get, can we, can we bring you? Like that church happened to have a bus running, had a van running. And so they're like, hey, would you just, if we send the bus by, would you ride? And they're like, let me ask mom kind of thing, right? And they're like, yeah. And so, and so a couple of kids from the house decided, hey, we're going to go Sunday. And so that next week they came by and they had the rival service and they came and picked them up every night and brought them to church and they went home and back and forth. Well, here's the cool thing. As that, as that the situation went on and continued to go even after the revival, the oldest of those girls came to that church and gave her life to Jesus. Isn't that cool? And that was way back when. And so that kept on and she was going and she kept riding that bus and and uh, she, was, uh, you know, she was enjoying the benefits of that ministry. Well, later on, she grew up and became part of that ministry and began to serve in the very ministry that was the connecting point that brought her and gave her the opportunity to walk inside the household of God and hear the truth of God's word. And time went on and passed on and everybody kind of scatters and gets into different, different areas of life. Well, that same evangelist, I mean, he lived for a quite long time and, and he came back into town again. And by this time, that young girl had turned into a woman and had a couple of kids and was married and was living sort of in the same area. And he, he became a pastor of a local church and they got to go see him and just enjoyed the story of that, that story up to that point. And a little while later, that, that same man preached a message in, the, in a church they were attending and her kids were there and her son responded to the gospel of Christ during that time. How cool is that? Isn't that cool? That's two. That guy having an opportunity to hit with two in the same, same realm. And, and so that goes on. And in fact, that, that evangelist ends up actually doing the ordination service for that kid's uh, ordination into the ministry. Isn't that cool how a, how, a, how a bus ride has turned into so much more than just one visit on a dirt road? And it kept on going on and going on. And, and, that, and that, lady, that girl lady's kids, and they've moved on, and they're, and they're doing church life, and everything's kind of changed. The whole trajectory of their family has changed because somebody took time to knock on a door and invite them to church. There's no telling where she would have ended up or what her kids would have become if someone didn't care enough to invest in a younger generation hoping that God would do something great in their life. But there's more to the story that I need to tell you. See, the truth is that that girl in that van, on that bus, that was my mama. That was my mama. I'm really glad that somebody cared enough to go down a road to a dead-end house that thought maybe nothing would come of that. They weren't a target group. They were in a swanky subdivision and kept coming back and kept offering opportunities and God changed the life. But God didn't just change one life. He's a whole pile of them. She got six grandkids today. They're all gonna be in a church somewhere. Three of them sitting right there with my wife. And her son's preaching a sermon isn't God good? I'm going to give you a free one. These vans y'all got in the back lot should never be sitting here on Sunday morning. 
and your cars should not come to church empty. He said, what's it matter? What if they won't come? Well, if you don't go, they won't. How much does the next generation matter to you? How much? We talk about it, we complain about it, we tweet about it. You remember the little bracelets we used to have? What would Jesus do? Y'all need to get a new one that says, what would Jesus tweet? <laughs> Y'all need that one. I ain't seen anybody get excited about a tweet. As much as people are today. Well, Brother Kevin, that's somebody else's job. It's not mine. Oh, hold on just a minute. I thought you said that Jesus was your king. If that's the truth, then people matter to you. Why are we doing what we do for children? Why do we get after it? Why do we do trunk or treats and knock on doors and have vacation Bible school and all these things and children's church? Why do we do that? Because we believe what's happening down that hall is affecting two generations of people that have not yet been born. That bus ride my mama got on, there's two generations of people sitting in this church today because somebody put her on a bus and took her to church. And so what's Lindsay Lane gonna do? And you guys do a lot of great things. Don't, get, don't, don't hear me on that. And what are you gonna do? Because not everything you do has to be a program. It can just be an opportunity. You're walking through the parking lot at Publix. You're, you're changing out your buggy at Aldi and giving somebody a quarter so they can put the little thing in there. What a great idea. Whatever it takes. You were at Fiddler's Convention and ran out and ran out. One of your neighbors was sitting there. I don't know where you're at and what you're doing. But use the power of the invitation. Use the resources God's given you because it matters. And listen, it doesn't mean just that. They need people every week. You say, well, I don't really care about serving in bed babies and nursery and that kind of stuff. You want me to tell you something. You want that kid's grandkids to come to your church? Do you think it matters? It matters. So some of you are sitting here and you're saying, well, Brother Kev, my time's passed. I'm kind of over. I'm kind of, I'm at the end of my time. And I'm just saying, listen, you are the most valuable people in the building because you've been there, done that, got the T-shirt. You matter. Don't hang on to precious memories. Get, get excited about the fact that the king is coming. And with all that God's given us the opportunity to do, with all the people that are coming our way, I need every church in Limestone County and those that have not yet been birthed to be about the things that matter the most. That's people meeting Jesus. So what are you going to do? Some of you here this morning, you're saying, Brother Kev, somebody invited me here this morning, and I don't know Jesus. Well, guess what? You're in the right place, and I'm glad they invited you to come. You're here. You're in the right place. Some of you here, and listen, I want to just tell you, this isn't about a guilt session. You know how long guilt, guilt makes you move? About two weeks. Shame and guilt works about two weeks. Transformation and encounter with Jesus change you forever. That's what we need. But you know what I'm finding? Is it will say, we'll preach messages like this and get into texts that are hard. And you know what happens? Nothing. Altars are empty. We go to our cars. We go do our thing. And we say this. And I, again, I'm not, not fussing. That was a good sermon day, wasn't it? And if it doesn't move us to do more or to be affirmed in what we are doing, then it was just time together. And I'm not going to heaven with nothing to say. I will not do that. 
You know what's cool about everything that God does in your life while you're on this side of heaven? You know what you get to do with it? You give it to give it all back to Jesus. Isn't that cool? And wouldn't that be fun if God so choose, chose to use this church to do even more than you could ever think or imagine? To encourage other churches, to plant more churches, to reach into neighborhoods and communities, to change lives and watch God get all the glory for it. Wouldn't that be fun? I want to sign up for that. And I want you to as well. It's about to close eyes where we are. If you're here this morning, say, Brother Kev, I'm here today. Someone's invited me. I've been coming to this church, but I never trusted Christ, never alone to save from my sins. It's real simple. Jesus did all the work. We're broken people. We're a mess. We need healing and restoration. And the only one that can restore our souls is the one that loved us first and loved us the most. Admit you're a sinner. You believe that Jesus is all he said he was and what he did, he did, not just for the world, but for you. And then you surrender your life and you let him use you up until the day you depart. All Jesus really wants from you is obedience. We add so many things to the list. He just wants you to obey. For some this morning, they're in Texas. For others, they're in, in Europe. For you, you're here. And, and God just wants us to be obedient. Some of you are here and you've sat on the sidelines too long, discrediting your availability and your ability to impact others for Christ. And this morning, you need to take one of your staff members by the hand and say, count me in, whatever you need, I'm available to do whatever it takes to reach the next generation for Christ. Whatever you need. No agenda, just want to be available. And let's pray, because nothing ever great happens. No great move of God's ever happened outside a prayer meeting, I promise you, it never happened. We can make plans and dreams and promote. We need God to move. We're going to open this altar. You need to join this church. You need to come to Jesus. Man, don't come out of guilt and shame. Come because God is great. He loves you, and he wants to use you for his glory. Father God, I pray now that you'll work in this place, that you'll have happen what is going to happen according to your will. God, I pray you'll heal hearts. You'll open minds and hearts and eyes and you'll move us from a place of comfort and being receivers. God, to being, to being missionaries and going and doing and being about your business. God, I pray that today that ripples from this day will reach into every neighborhood that is represented in this place. That opportunities will come and that these people in this house will be faithful to share, to encourage, to pray, to invite. Knowing that apart from you, we can do nothing, but with you, all things are possible. God, we declare we want the next generation to know you and their children and those that have not yet been born to know you. Help us be faithful in our time. And we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You stand, you come right now as the Lord leads.